Welcome to Bigfoot Starts a Business Podcast. I'm Taylor Hewlett. I'm joined by Trent Lowenstein. We're going to find Bigfoot. Researchers, they call themselves the Sasquatch Genome Project. and they From the woods, Three screams, two whistles, and a knock. It was a Bigfoot with a baby. Hey guys, I'm Chez Dias. I'm uh, the owner and operator of Flex Office Denver here in Lodo, Dairy Block, downtown Denver, Colorado. Pumped to be here. All right, so... We moved into this office space. I see this guy. Are we going? Live? We're live we're, as well? No. I was just about to tell the story. <laughs> oh, sorry. Now we're going. Now, now we're going. So we moved into this office space, and we see this guy. And every trash can that gets put out, this guy picks it up. Every table that needs to be wiped, this guy's wiping Coffee machine's table. out of water. Coffee machine's out of water. He's filling it back up doing the dishes, sweeping the floor, and just saying hi to everybody. And I looked at Taylor... And I said, that is the hardest working janitor I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he's so happy. And so I went to the front desk. I was like, hey, what's that janitor's name? Like, he's just so fantastic. He's like, oh, who, who's who? And I was like, you know, blonde hair, very Southern. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's Chess. He owns this floor. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He, he, he's, the, he's the owner of Flex Office? I'm like, yeah. And I just couldn't believe it. First of all, I want to know what gave away my Southern. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, I mean, so how did you, first, you're, you're the hardest working owner and janitor on this floor. Well, owner comes with many hats. Janitor is certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, although I'm very loyal and supportive of our Porter staff, uh, Monarch Services, and specifically Elba. Yes. Hola, Elba. <laughs> yeah uh but yeah you know i mean that kind of comes with the territory uh you know i just um you know you don't often see it though like when somebody is like sick you think of the ceo you don't think of the ceo as doing the dishes right right you kind of see him in his office but i almost never see you in your office i only see you walking around talking to people making sure everything's okay and i think that's a testament to you as like a character but also for just entrepreneurs that are listening or small business owners. There's no top, you know? Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that. That's very kind. Uh, um, I I just live that way, man. I I do that in my businesses. This is one in particular that, um, first of all, I love this. This place has been such a a cool experience for me. Uh, The people here are wonderful. Our staff has been excellent. Uh, they, I've kind of embraced, um, myself as an oppor- this is an opportunity for me to kind of create an environment that, um, you know, is more than just an office space. I firmly believe that we should all enjoy going to work and that uh, your environment kind of creates, uh, a place that, you know, em- enables that and, uh, it's one of my personal goals to uh, create a, an environment that people want to be, where they want to be. All right. Well, before you get too high and mighty, do you do the dishes at home? <laughs> I do the dishes at home. <laughs> although we have a very... You take out uh, the trash at home? I do. Okay. Uh, in all fairness, but we have a, a working agreement at home that she goes and buys all the groceries and I cook and clean. So you, where did you grow up? I grew up in... Uh, Outside of Mobile, Alabama, in a small town called Fairhope. 
most people don't know where that is. Uh, it's right near Orange Beach, Alabama, all the way on the Florabama line. I've never even been to Alabama. I haven't either. Many people have not. Uh, <laughs> it gets a bad rap, um, but it is a beautiful place with wonderful people, and I'm proud to be from there. Okay. Where you go, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Do you like, can you ride a horse and stuff? I can ride a horse. Yeah, I can I've uh, worked on a farm. <laughs> okay. I've, when uh, you say you worked on a farm, you mean like chickens and cows or like? Like cows and horses and pecan horses. farms. and oh, uh, That seems like a, a fancy farm. Timber farms, yeah. There's all kinds of agriculture down there. Um, What's a timber farm? So... In the south, there is uh, the southern yellow pine forest is the, the actual name of it, but they're longleaf pine uh, trees that there once was an entire forest of uh, since they um, have become less available due to lumber and paper right. and all the things that you use wood for. But um, we, we actually grow them. So we uh, plant and harvest um timber down there and that's actually one of the places that I learned to be an entrepreneur we uh, you know we would work I've, I've been working my own businesses since I was about 12 mm. um, I had what was your first business I was uh, about was to you beat me by two right. seconds <laughs> I had a lot a landscape company for a number of years uh, through high school so were you that kid that like knocked on doors and like hey I got this lawnmower yada yada I was excellent at selling that Okay. And then I had another guy that I worked with that he would kind of run the cruise. So I would run around, get new service, and then he would, you know, kind of man the cruise. And That's all at 12 years old? Yeah, 12 to about 18 Dang. we ran that one. Wow. And then, um, you know, he, he kept it and I went on to college. But it was a, you know, every summer we had to be doing something. There was, we were never allowed to be... Uh, sitting still, so to speak, and it was either get a job or mm. play a sport. Or do you have kids? I don't have kids. No, okay, so I, what are you going to do when they're like, "Hey, Dad, I want to watch YouTube"? Um, over you the know, summer. there's an appropriate amount of time of YouTube. I think. Uh, I think you know you can't say hard no. Yeah. You know, but it can also be used as like a, you know, a reward for doing things. Like, so you're not going to let your kids just sit. Say again. You're not going to let your kids just sit. Absolutely not. No. Uh, that's just because I don't sit. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, really promote them sitting. Although, you know, it's important for them to sit sometimes. So, you know, as long as there's some balance. I'm a, I'm a big fan of balance. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I work hard. I play just as hard. My wife's family has a farm in Ohio. Oh, yeah? What do they farm? <clears throat> they have, like, chickens and cows. Oh yeah. yeah, it's good stuff, man. So I so I grew up in San Diego and and then lived in New York. I never been on a dirt road in my life, nice. and I drove down <laughs> there to meet them to like a farm. And you're like, where are we? And I got out, and there was like you know those uh, big frogs that go like <laughs> like it's like kind of like a deep, scary, <laughs> yeah, almost like right. vomity type of thing. Yeah. I like opened the door. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what what is that? What is that sound? And I'm like, there's no lights out there. It's like a dirt road. And, um, you know, I'm hearing the cow, like, shiver in the, like, like, and I'm like, this is not for me. This life's not for me. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I got into the house real quick. That's funny. So, I, actually, one of my jobs when I was a kid, I, I was a vet tech. and I thought I was going to be a veter veterinarian for a little while. Um, and, you know, you get out there among enough 
horses and cattle, it kind of just gets old. So, <laughs> But the good news is, is that that was an awesome experience, and we did that, and I learned that was not for me. So if farming's <laughs> not for you, I get it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's very validating. I didn't hear anything from Taylor. Well, I have, a similar, I have a similar story as yeah. well. Of like One of my friends <clears throat> farms cows, pigs, some crops, different things up in Minnesota, and I have never identified as like a city kid. I've never been. I was always like, oh, I live in the mountains of Colorado. Like, I'm pretty hardy. I went to her farm, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a city kid. And they like, get up I, early. I was so out of my element. They, you get up at, like, 5 a.m. Like, it was so God's cool to, like, even learn about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super early. Uh, it ends early, too, though. You know, when the when the sun goes down, it's over. Yeah. Right. So, and every, everybody you said, uses it. do you still have land down in Alabama? Do you still? Yeah, so uh, we still businesses? have a timber farm down there. Okay. And it's... You know, mo- we call it a timber farm, but we really we just go out there and mess around and have fun. You know, trees grow pretty slowly. Is so. it revenue building? Yeah, uh, we harvest about every three years, and it makes enough to you know replant, keep up the land. There's a lot of conservation stuff that goes on with it. I'm a big conservationist at, mm-hmm. at heart, and uh, it definitely pays for itself, and the value of the land uh, goes up every year. So. I wouldn't say it produces like a ton of cash. Right, I mean, right. it's not going to make you a millionaire by any chance, but, um, you yeah, know, was, it enables us to do the things we love down there. I was reading an article about entrepreneurs these days and having side hustles. And this guy was saying that he had like five or six side hustles, kind of mm-hmm. like that. And it might not be exactly the same, but it was like, I have these five or six things. They're not quite like making me a millionaire, but all together. They're paying my bills. So it's funny you say that, and I have a working principle on this, is, is how to layer cash flows, right? That's, okay, so, yeah, I want to dig into that. That's cool. So principally, it, it is that where you, you know, yes, they are side hustles, so to speak, but the combination of them is actually, you know, pretty beneficial in a cash flow position. And it also creates a diversity among your revenue streams so that, when the economy hits the fan or we go back into a COVID stage that you're not married to one thing. And, you know, there's a lot of principles around that. And also I get bored with things, tend to get bored with things easily. Sometimes there's a term for that. It's, um, Serial entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, something like that. Serial I believe that. <laughs> you just got to keep moving. You, gotta you just got keep to keep starting new stuff. I like it though, but you know, it's exciting. I, it does. And if you do it right, you, if you build the business right, it should eventually run itself. Like you'd never want to build the business where you're the key person because then if you're not there, the business can't exist. So I've always believed that, yes, I believe I bring very valuable, you know, assets to the, and a experience to a business, but I don't want to be the only asset and the only experience. Like you know, it has to be a thing. <clears throat> I think that is, I think that's spot on. I completely agree. That, and so when my first job out of college, I was a campaign director for us, like a social justice uh, organization. Nice. And um, they would tell us, you want to optimize yourself out of the situation. You want to train people that are highly motivated and qualified and competent and capable that can mm-hmm. take your role so that you can step out. And I remember thinking like, well, that's odd because I need this job and I don't want to be, I don't want to be optimized out of a situation. I don't want other people to be better than me. I want to be the best. People need to come to me for answers. But as I s- kept with the organization, I saw the more qualified people that we got, 
the better the organization got. Absolutely. You know, you just keep moving. And so there's the collaboration, not competition that I think we touched on yesterday. Community, not competition, yeah, collaboration commun- over. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration over competition. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You want to be, you want to help it. You want to grow it. And ultimately you want to see everybody in there succeed. That's critical. I mean, I think that's probably one of the most valuable perspectives of success is that when they're succeeding and the business is succeeding, that by nature I am too. But, you know, I just pride myself on helping people succeed. It's one of the reasons that I like this business so much. You know, we've been able to see this be an incubation stage, you know, and look an environment where people can come in as a smaller company they continue to build. They continue. We can connect some dots. We can help them grow, and as they grow, we can flexibly allow them to you know, kind of grow into new offices and meet new people and conduct new business. Yeah. And I just think it. I think you're absolutely right. The more that you can collaborate, whoever said that, uh, the more community you can be a part of. Generally speaking, it seems to fare better for the business as a whole. It's been a theme for all of our podcasts that we've done so far is community. And how successful, not only like building your own community within your company, but then also being a part of the community at large as well within your neighborhood, within your county, whatever that might look like. Yeah, I agree. And, and that part's fun, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, I, I mean, I for one love hearing new stories and love seeing and meeting new people and seeing new businesses and just people are so creative these days, you know, and being able to come up with you know, businesses and services and products that you would never have thought that was a thing. And all of a sudden it's the next unicorn and you're like, mm. yes, that, you know, <laughs> and you helped facilitate that through your incubation. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea. I mean, I can't, you know, <clears throat> I won't take claim for anybody else's success, but if I can be a part of it, then you know, I'll, I'll gladly do that. All right. So Alabama 12 to 18, you come up with this landscaping company, you outsource some of the actual labor to a third party or to one of your friends. Mostly neighborhood kids. Okay, neighborhood kids. <laughs> awesome. Capitalism, yeah. I like it. Yeah. And you are getting the business. So you're out there knocking on doors, kissing babies, shaking hands, and you got other people doing some work. That's right. Okay, beautiful. Then you're 18, and you go to – do you start any other businesses when you were? Uh, in Auburn – uh, you know, I went to school a lot. Definitely had a lot of different jobs. Um, when I, I was helping people start small businesses, actually, by the time I got out of school, which is out of uh, high school or out college? of college. Okay. Um, so I was big in you know small. I've always been a you know small business infrastructure development. I can help you you know hire the workforce, put the financial pro formas together. You know, raise the money, buy the equipment, find the locations, you know, really, usually my favorite part is finding someone with a great idea and who's really fired up about it and then helping facilitate that into a reality. So mm. the first business, uh, well, I say my, my flagship company, and it still runs to this day, and I'm still, a, I'm still the chairman of the board for it as a human resources consulting business. So I graduated in human resources and minored in finance. And so I was, you know, kind of had the best of, of both for an infrastructure. You know, I understood the, I'm not an accountant by any means because there's bean counters. I love them. Glad I'm not mm. one. I can't do that. 
But the greater scheme of finance and how it all works together and the calculus of the business, you know, I love that part. And I love the interaction with the people and kind of building it. So uh, my first company, uh, these two ladies, uh, Jeannie and Amy, they were one was the assistant district director of the U.S. Department of Labor, one of their enforcement agencies. They wanted to create this consulting company, come out of out of the government and start their own consulting business to help government contractors and all of the EEO, uh, employment law, labor regulations, uh, things like that. And I knew a lot about that from what I'd studied. And so when we clicked real well, and uh, so we helped start, I helped them start that. And uh, the name of that business is Dias Human Resource Development. It is spun off to be more of a tech oriented. We, we built some proprietary software programs and a jobs board that is called jobsformore.com. Uh, it's dedicated to helping minorities, females, veterans, and individuals with disabilities find jobs in government contracting companies. Hmm. So um, it's pretty cool, actually. It does really well in the South. Still growing it. That company's 18 years old. but And so you must have started this when you were in college. Uh, right out of college. Right out literally. of college. Okay, so before we get into that, how did you look? Like, are your parents entrepreneurs? How, like, how do you have this information? Had you come by this skill of yours? Connecting people with money, doing human resources, uh, like... Are you, I mean, it's, well, it sounds like you're a farm boy from Alabama, so I'm uh, confused. <laughs> I, I had a lot of jobs, miscellaneous jobs, and yes, I did work on a farm, and yes, I did mow a lot of lawns. But <laughs> a lot of time to think, know, I guess. Turn, a lawnmower. Turns out, you know, there are some pretty intelligent people from down there. No, of course. And um, you know, I guess the long and the short of it is, I learned. I love to read. I love to talk. I was uh, really fortunate to. Um, be exposed to a lot of people that had bigger ideas and had, um, you know, some experience. And so your parents are not entrepreneurs. They're not. My dad's a, a physician. My mom's a nurse. Okay. Um, you know, they're in the medical industry. Mm-hmm. You know, but my dad is the oldest of seven, and a handful of his brothers are entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, you know, they were always very encouraging to go out and try and learn and don't be afraid to fail. Like, be very um, uh, calculated in your risk, uh, but, you know, don't be afraid to try, you know. I was and, watching a video of uh, Gary V, um, yeah. and some guy was like, hey, Gary, um, I want to be an entrepreneur, but uh, I don't really, like, have a problem. I don't have the map. I don't know where to go next. I don't have the, the road map, and he was like, you're a great, you're, you would be a great executive to follow the entrepreneur. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to let go of that unknown, that fear of the unknown, put down the map and take a step into the forest on your own and go try. And if you fail, you come back out and you try again. That's a great, excellent way to say it. Like, it's completely good analogy. Because cool when he was young, he's doing this. So like, from, there's from no not, barrier. From 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. There's no barrier. Like you're already like, yeah, I already know how to hustle. I'm a 12 year old and I'm already saying like, hey, here are my rates. I'd love to mow your lawn or whatever up until you're 18. So you, you don't have that fear of chatting with people. No, I don't. And, you know, also one thing I would add to that is that a lot of times, you know, as you go into the forest, if you do it right, 
you should know how to get back out to. You know, mm-hmm. there's always going to be an exit at any point in time. So, yes, I was 12, and I had a lawnmower and some rakes. <laughs> and if worst-case scenario occurred and it didn't happen, I can always sell my lawnmower and rakes. So, yeah. really, what I'm out is my time and energy. And maybe Even some, at 12, and, you were de-risking your lawnmower business. I think that's yeah, awesome. you know what I mean? But you know, the, the good news is, is that I've learned you can, even in failure, you know, and I mm-hmm. hate to be cliche, but you should be learning something from that, you know, and there's been lots of failures. I mean, we should, we should not ever say that, you know, we're successful in everything because that is absolutely not true. But if you're afraid of failure, you're never even going to try. Right. Can you tell us, not, you will. can you tell us about a time where you did fail? Do you have one of those stories? Uh, <laughs> let me think of a couple. Well, First of all, I will, on a personal note, I chased my wife for the better part of a decade, and she told me no a lot. This is your current wife? My current wife. Okay. So I am married to her now. <laughs> so, yes, I failed for 10 years, and then I finally won. Well, that's there a nice go. story. Yeah. yeah. What, was the, what was the turning point? I couldn't tell you. She, I always say my tenacity finally, beat, finally yeah. won. <laughs> 10 years is a long time. How long have you been married? Uh, eight years now. Nice. Wow. Yeah, Congrats. So That's cool. Thanks. Yeah. Um, some other failure notes. Um, I mean, they don't have to be no, business failings. I, they no, could be any I, kind I'll of throw thing. one out there. So when we were in the HR business, you know, we used to bid these giant projects for these companies that would laugh us out the door sometimes. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. You, you're you too young to know what you're doing. You know, even though I had, you know, these two ladies who were extremely intelligent and experienced, you know, it's like they're going to – you're going to hear no more than you are yes. So, I mean, I guess my biggest failure well, – some of my biggest failures were these bids – you know, in these projects that we would work so hard on and think we had such a great position on and we would have done a great job on, but ultimately we fell short, you know, or uh, for some reason that executive, you know, didn't want to employ our service. And um, for the first few years of that business and even in my, you know, adulthood of entrepreneurship, I mean, it was not by any means printing money. I mean, we were, I was broke for the better part of half a decade. What had you keep going? I just believed that I knew, I believed in it. <laughs> you saw you Bigfoot. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I know this is going to work. And, you know, we have to just find a few of those anchors that we can, you know, lean on that would let us, you know, prove it. And even if that means we just got to get our foot in the door and show them, you know, and ultimately we did. We got some great companies. We got some great anchors and it, mm-hmm. And it built itself up. And but if I'd have been afraid of failure at that point, I would have just quit and gone to you know work for some big company, which uh, that would have been a big failure for me. So just because he said Bigfoot, so the the name of our podcast, as you know, is uh, Bigfoot starts a business. And so <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so the idea is that you're driving down you know some kind of desolate road. It's midnight. And you're, you're kind of tired and you see like a vague figure over the hood of your car. And then you just keep driving you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then boom, it's Bigfoot. And right. Bigfoot looks at you and goes, oh, my God, that's that guy. And you go, oh, my God, that's Bigfoot. And then he just disappears. And now you have the rest of the drive just to be like, 
how am I going to tell people I saw Bigfoot? Who is going to believe me? Who, yeah, who is going to believe me that I saw Bigfoot? What do I do with this information? And that is the feeling that entrepreneurs have. It's that, that's their agree. Bigfoot moment. And and I think your your story is self-determination and conviction. I saw Bigfoot because I know I saw Bigfoot. I believe it. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in it, then you create. And uh, evidently you... Those who persist succeed, and uh, you know I, you've done I, just that. I think he nailed that. Uh, you I like mean, that? You like that yeah, story? Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> All right, uh, and that is as true as it gets, too. Because I mean, if you can't convince someone that you saw Bigfoot, then you, <laughs> you know, didn't see him. You didn't see him. <laughs> You're right. You know, but I know I saw him. Yeah. Bigfoot starts a business podcast is brought to you by Medigy, the ultimate SME marketing platform. Medigy's marketing insights help you create high quality content and a strategy that gets engagement, conversions, and grows your audience online, helping the small business grow. So, I mean, my conviction, <laughs> I can definitely. Uh, so, throughout the whole process, even with some self, even when you're like, it wasn't going away, you said you were broke for the better part of a decade, you said, no, this is going to work. I need to push through. I saw him. Indeed, okay. you know, and uh, yeah, I was, I was gonna, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was gonna yeah. ask you if you had ever had a moment of like, did I see Bigfoot? Is oh, this of course, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, you're not human if you don't kind of right. question yourself every once in a while. You know, I mean, it, I think that comes with a certain level of arrogance, or if you if you just never have any kind of self doubt. But I certainly did. I mean, I I thought hard about if I needed to just go work for somebody and get that nine to five and, you know, at least find a company that I loved and believed in. And, and I, I think we could have done that and that'd have been fine. Um, it's just, I just personally uh, never lost that conviction and Bigfoot's real. Mm, thank you. <laughs> so your <laughs> metric, your metric for success is, um, is trying. I don't, it's getting I, up to bat. I think you got, you got to keep trying, you know, and, um, and, and the long and the short of it is, is that, you know, a Wayne Gretzky with the whole, all the shots you don't take, don't go in, right. you know? So, um, you know, obviously that's a kind of cliche a little bit, but it's as true as it comes. You got to show up, show up to the race. Got to show up. And the good news is, is one day when it, when it does finally start working, it is the best what was that on the plan? What was yeah. that day for your HR consulting company or whatever company you had? Well, yeah, any of them. Uh, and some of my favorites, you know, are being awarded that clutch anchor contract, being able to show that your software actually works and it does what it says it's going to do, being able to watch this business that you just poured all your energy into and now it starts clicking and people are responding to it or building a podcast studio and all of a sudden people think that, you know, mm. Hey, this is actually pretty cool, you know? So yeah. it's just those, it's sometimes it's the little things, but it's the layers of little things that matter, you know? And you can't just say, Oh, is this one thing? It's like a right. series of events that occur. The, the journey. It's not the destination. It's the journey through it. Absolutely. That's right. cool. Fortune cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good one. So when you're, so when you're like hustling, is your wife, is your wife like, Chaz, what are you doing? No, she's been uh, very supportive. In fact, she just started her own business. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she is a... Um, a What's her business called? She's a mental health counselor, uh, Bryn Dias Counseling and Wellness. Okay, 
located in? It's in Denver. In Denver, okay. Yep. Uh, in Central Park, if you're familiar with that area, previously known as Stapleton. Stapleton, yeah. Yep. Um, and she's great. She um, worked for a behavioral health hospital in Lowry for a long time. And, you know, we actually, that's how we ended up in Denver. So I'm thankful for that. Do you, you know? live in Denver now? We do. You're in Denver, okay. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm thrilled that we're here. You know, it was a great experience for her. It got her to this place now where she's in position to open her own business. So, nice. you know, a lot of times it is that experience that just gives you that confidence to say, all right, I can step out and I know enough now where I'm willing to take the risk. All right. So good for her. 12 to 18 landscaping. Farming. Farming. All <laughs> kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. You get into college, you major in HR. Yep, and finance, or minor in finance. And minor in finance. And in college, you're helping entrepreneurs, you're helping incubate their ideas as a as a as another entrepreneurial company that you're doing or just as a uh, just as a side hustle as for a, a consulting. While. Okay. Yep. So and this that, is how you find I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, that's how I found, you know, my desires. I mean, HR don't get me wrong, it it can be very entertaining, but it's also got a lot of minutia to it. Uh, so the idea of going and working in an HR department for hours on end all year, you know, really wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously a great job for a lot of people, but, you know, I'm, I'm too active for that. And uh, so the idea of helping people start small businesses and participating in, you know, supporting their businesses, you know, was really kind of what I, what I was loving coming Did out. Did you find college. any companies there that you're like, oh, that, that was a great one that should have taken off, that didn't take off? Or a- yeah, so uh, <laughs> one of the first ones that, that I helped with that I thought should have done a lot better than it did was a helicopter um, touring company out of Birmingham. And this guy had bought his own helicopter, and he was going to – get these contracts with the power company and run the power lines. And then he wanted to tour people around and, you know, take scenic flights and all that. And so I helped him get certified and all the credentials he needed and, you know, kind of get the marketing up and the infrastructure and the licenses and the insurance, which was incredible. Yeah, it's a helicopter. Yeah, it's a helicopter. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, But it was a really cool business, you know, and he was a great pilot and, you know, he did, you know, fairly well. And then one day he just said, you know what, I'm taking me and my family to Turks and Caicos and we're going to go fly this helicopter down there. And so I helped him move it, move it to Turks and Caicos. Wow. So, uh, that, that did you was fly in his helicopter. I did. I rode in his helicopter Roll, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do not have my rotor wing pilot's license. Do you uh, like it? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even like flying commercial it's oh, flying's great. Is it? Uh, I've never I'm, been in a helicopter. I love flying, but never been in like a helicopter. You like flying? I yeah. think it's like, you know, I'm a claustrophobic. I have a lot of Jewish anxiety, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> being in a closed, confined space where I have no control high up in the sky, it's just not, you know, I'm like, this is, birds are supposed to be up here, you know. What am I doing up here? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I have my private pilot's license for fixed wing, and <clears throat> for a while I thought that might fixed have been. Fixed wing is what? You know, any single-engine airplanes oh you could fly a single engine airplane yeah ride a horse and fly an airplane fly an airplane good for the apocalypse i I have a a boating license too that seems driver's license and a motorcycle license okay got almost all boating seems like 
how like maybe a sailboat sorry, sailboat or like normal like a normal yeah like you know boat. with an engine on it oh yeah, yeah. motorboat motorboat yeah, yeah. Powerboats. <laughs> powerboat there you go Power yeah. powerboat that's <laughs> motorboat got a bad rap <laughs> <laughs> the uh I, I guess that was you know one i could tell that story the uh there was a um, flight school a flight training school that i was involved with in one time and at one point i thought i was gonna buy into this thing and this was my this is where my development of calculated risk came in and um you know, everything was cool because I was super excited about flying at the time, and I still am, love it, uh, but I've helped with my the helicopter situation, and, um, and I'm learning to fly airplanes. The flight school that I was going to was trying to transition ownership, and the instructor that I was learning from wanted to buy it. And so we went through the whole process of what are the risks of this company? What are the benefits of this company? What are the services it's going to provide? How much does it actually cost to operate? You know, and went through the entire risk reward, you know, process that I believe to be essential in evaluating a business. Uh, we call it a SWOT analysis. Yeah. Okay. You're yeah. You're familiar yeah. with that. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, Effectively, yes, it was a very cool business. And yes, I am a great customer of this business. <laughs> but the risk of this business was exponential. I mean, that it was not in a great airfield. It didn't have, you know, really the customer base that it needed to to pay what we knew it was going to cost to operate. And there was some political issues going on with that particular airport that, immediately struck you as, um, you know, it's almost like they didn't want there to be a flight school there and they wanted, they had some other um, undiscussed motivations. So again, it was, yes, I thought it was cool, but can this actually work? And I think that's one thing that as an entrepreneur, like you have to be able to say, I love this and it's not a viable business. For sure. And I think people get involved. That's why they say artists should never sell their own paintings. Because yes. you get so excited about the painting. You're like, hey, you know how much time I spend on this? Well, 100 grand. And it's worth what somebody will pay for it, you know, for art exactly. purposes. But, yeah, yeah that's a, I think that's a rare type of self-discipline where somebody can know that they really want to do it. And all their friends and all their investors or partners are saying, yes, yes, yes. And you go like, yes. But no. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. So you have to have that restraint, and I think that's a, a learning. That's a tough one to learn, I'm going to be honest. And I'm I'm guilty of that one probably more than anything else is that I get very excited. And when I get excited, I want everybody else to get excited. Mm. You know, and I, I like to bring the crowd up. You yeah. know, I'm a, I'm a up, bus go up guy. And um, I mean, it's all that. It's like a guy that comes to the party. He, and he like stirs it up, you know. I had one at my bar mitzvah. <laughs> was, <laughs> Maybe it'll come to me later. Yeah, I, it's like I a think guy, I know what you're talking. You about. like invite the guy to the party that's just not an actual friend, and he comes and goes like, "All right, kids, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever I, it is." It's you some, lost me. I thought I, I thought okay, I see no? what you're going. <laughs> you okay, lost well, me. maybe I hype, the, hype guy, a hype man. Yeah, there you go, hype man. Or as we say in Yiddish, the hype man. <laughs> the, the hype. Yeah. yeah, you're the hype man. You're the guy that comes in and you're like, "Let's do it." Well, you know, as a as a hype man, uh, you know, I, it, it was tough for me to learn 
the that that calculated risk, you have to trust it. You have to mm-hmm. exercise the, your diligence. Look at all the angles. Talk to as many people about it as you can that you trust, and you know, make an educated decision, an informed decision, and you know, calculated risk is a real thing. And you know, if you can underestimate the income and overestimate the expenses and add everything else in and it still works, then yes, we can go we for can it. keep talking about it. Yeah. You know, but if you start seeing signs or you know, there's just too many too much information that's, you know, kind of leading you down the, the path of this may not work out, you just gotta trust I that. Think that's where I struggle sometimes around like I'm looking I'm assessing a business and and what it's all about. And I'm fairly new at all of this. So I, I barely know what I'm talking about, but I struggle to, to balance the passion that I have. Oh, this would be, look at the revenue and this could be amazing. And it could go with, no, the risk is too high. Like put your excitement away for a second. The risk is too high. Just like what you did with the flight school. Well, you know, and the hard part is you don't, a lot of people's measurement of risk is just that if it's there, it's too much. You know, I like to believe that there's always risk. A healthy relationship with risk. That's right. Yeah. And there, you got to find that that tolerance that um, after all your information, you know, after you slept on it a number of days, you know, that that calculated risk is within tolerance, so to speak. And, well said. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. So you said you have this timber farm that's still going, mm-hmm. right? You have this HR consulting business that's still He's on the board. Yeah, still on the board for. You have this flex office space here in Denver. Yep. Any? How many other ones do you have? I sit on the board. What do we call these? I don't want to like other ones, like side hustles, businesses. They're businesses. Businesses. Yeah, they all run, uh, and they all make money. Yeah. You know, so that's good. Um, you know, how involved are you with all of them, or things run pretty autonomously, and you check in once in a while for? A no, minute? you have to be involved. I mean, you can't. I mean. I don't think there's any such thing as a real mailbox money, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be involved. Yeah. I mean, now your level of involvement uh, certainly can change, um, especially, you know, like on this HR company, you know, I, I am on the board and I still have my clients that I deal with and that I love, Um you know, but for the most of the day in and the day out operations, we've got a team for that. Yeah. And we've got the president of the company who is, you know, awesome. And, you know, I fully trust him. And uh, he, he's he got his vision and his mission, and I support it. And, you know, it's time for him to let him run with it for a while. So one of the things right. I wanted to discuss, and then I really want to talk about Flex Office because – that's the that's where we are now, and that's cool. the, that's the baby. Yeah. Um, so, what do you do when you? I mean, you're on the board. You started the company. You hire a president, and then you disagree with the president's vision. Oh uh, well, that's why you have operating agreements. Okay. So, so he has to have your vision. No. Uh, and in fact, I I prefer to have other visions as part of the team. You know, I mean you. It's important that we all have a congruent direction, but the visions can be a little bit different. Um, and I, I think that that's a healthy dose of that is appropriate. Yeah. Uh, but an operating agreement is, you know, basically the fundamental rules of how you're going to, you know, run the business. So just clear, transparent. In writing. In uh, writing. Yeah. 
cannot be more clear about that. I mean, before you get into any kind of business, if you're going to have partners, I mean, there has to be an operating agreement. Should, should that be the top? If we had to make a list for entrepreneurs who are hiring people, is that would that be top five? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you should predetermine how you're going to make decisions because if it gets to a point where you don't have these outlined and there's not a defined method, then that's really when the arguments come, the, you know, it can get much worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to go down that direction, but I've seen it too many times with too many companies that they don't have a clear and precise way that they're going to manage difficult decisions. Uh, whether it's about how we're going to spend money, whether it's about how we're going to manage our employees, how we're going to purchase equipment, how we're going to raise debt or, you know, issue stock or anything like that. There's a lot of different things that can happen in a business. And the more of them you can predetermine how you're going to decide that, the better. All right. We're in flex office space in Denver. Yeah. Flex. Flex, flex office, Denver. Flex office, Denver. That's how we met. Um, so, there's an interesting story of how you acquired this business. Yeah, it's interesting for some people. Because uh, when we originally signed the contract, it wasn't with you. Right. And you just kind of swooped in. I did. Um, we didn't even know you. I thought you were the janitor, like I said. You know, I, I didn't know. So how did you how did you find this business? Obviously, this has, I think, 97 units, something like that. Yep, there's 97 private offices. Uh, there's about 250 part-time and full-time membership. Capability, um, a shuffleboard, a coffee machine, lots of couches, lots of couches. View of the dairy market down in Denver. Mm-hmm. The dairy block. The we dairy sit block. right on top of the dairy block, third story of the dairy block. Our so, conference rooms overlook the alley in the in the dairy block. It's yeah. actually, incredible location. Incredible, it's just it's amazing. A ton here. of fun. You got to so walk us through this whole process because this is, I mean, this is a huge, beautiful office. We are happy tenants. We'd love a corner office uh, at some point. See what I can work yeah, out I appreciate for you. That. <laughs> we have you on air now. Uh, so, um, but like, I mean, obviously this is a, this is a big project. This is not like an idea. There are a lot of people that depend on you. A lot of businesses now depend on you and your services. So how did you, how did you build this? How did you find it and give us the whole rundown? Well, to make a long story short, make it, it all, it all, start, <laughs> nothing it all started on the beach in Cabo. Okay. Um, I was there with my wife, um, and the COVID had run rampant down here in Denver. Uh, I don't know if you had the opportunity to be in this area at any point in time during that, that phase, but it, the prior operator went from like 85% occupied to less than 10. It was crickets. Um, wow. And I, you know, so I empathize long and the short of it was that they were trying to operate out of Los Angeles. They had four facilities. This was the largest one and the only one outside of Los Angeles. Here comes COVID. There went their income. They tried to make it as long as they could. I don't have a ton of details about this. I wasn't really brought up to speed on all of that, but there's my understanding that they kind of got into a situation where they had to relinquish their license, but the building owners still, you know, found this to be a valuable uh, part of their building, uh, a great service that they could provide. And so I was asked 
to come in and um, establish a business that you know we could maintain the current tenants that were in here, pick up the pieces from this license that had been abandoned or you know basically had to relinquish and um, and kind of put the pieces back together. And I've mentioned previously that you know I'd start and operated the infrastructure of businesses for a long time. I've, I've worked with the, with the general manager before. Uh, and so he asked me if this would be something that I'd be interested in and can, you know, he help can I help him kind of pull this back together? And, you know, I spent a couple of days doing the math and talking to my wife and um, ultimately got a chance to come and see it. I didn't even, as much as I thought I knew the dairy block, because, you know, this is a great spot and an mm-hmm. iconic place in Denver now. Um, you know, I'd never been on this floor. Uh, so I got to come and tour it and immediately fell in love with it. It comes with a ton of great, great stuff. And the staff was going to stay, um, you know. and That's huge. Uh, it is huge, you know, and – Again, I love to, to quote some of my favorite business mentors, but, you know, Marcus Lemonis always says the people, the process, the product, right? So the product was absolutely here. The people were here. The staff was staying. And, you know, the processes, that's what I'm really good at. Yeah. And so uh, I had the opportunity to come in and, you know, I did find some processes that I believed would be could be appropriately amended. Uh, I found uh, that there was certainly room to grow, as as you can imagine in that in that situation. Uh, but the product itself and the people were outstanding, and it's not very often that you get it, it hand you know an opportunity like that, you know. And so I jumped on it. Yeah. And, um, so it's it's interesting because like there's such a push now after COVID for people to say, I want to work from home. I don't want to be in an office. Um, so how are you finding people to come back to the office? Well, you know, <laughs> what marketing was, efforts do you have? <laughs> that was one of my biggest, uh, concern. Well, let me just start with this. That was one of the major components of our risk analysis when we were looking at this to begin with, because during COVID, obviously no one wanted to be in office, office space as a whole, just plummeted right literally they were abandoning leases there's still um many i'm sure lawsuits going on about who owes who what i didn't really want anything to do with that the good news is is that this is a flex office so as people do start coming back they can kind of put their toe in the water a little bit Mm. because if you're familiar with commercial real estate at all or at least leasing commercial real estate, a lot of these bigger buildings, they will offer you large square feet, plenty of time. You can even find the rates you want under certain circumstances. But usually it, it comes with like a longer duration. Like if we're going to give you the best deal, you got to sign up for the longer amount of time, right? right. So, and that, that makes complete sense. Uh, just from a business standpoint, but when people are afraid to sign on to a long lease, then all of a sudden it's office space is not good. So the philosophy with Flex Office was that, yes, 
We have lots of amenities. We have lots of office space. You can rent a little of it. You can rent a lot of it. You can rent it for a short amount of time. You can rent it for a long amount of time. We don't want you to be married to, you know, some giant square feet, you know, where you're now subject to five-year terms. Right. You can come, you can grow. If something happens again, you can, you know, quickly retract. It allows for people to re-enter a space with all the amenities that they wanted to be in that isn't where we have to get married to the building owner in the process. You're dating. Yeah, we're just dating. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's and flexible. Just going you out could for come lunch. here for dinner. You could come here. Yeah, so that, get a that, coffee. Yeah. that's the idea. I mean, it flexes in the name, but you're flexible in office space even. So you have traditional offices, which is what we have. Mm-hmm. Then you have people who just come here like as a, you know. I think it's called hot, hot desk, right? Hot yep. desk. We've yeah. got some hot desks. <laughs> you can we rent have, conference rooms. We rent conference rooms. we got a podcast studio. There's a gym. There's a photo studio. Interestingly, when I was surveying uh, around down here to see what was interesting to people, you know, there's an amazing uh, amount of creatives that are in this area. So the podcast and the photo studio, while I originally thought, you know, sounded a little crazy, turns out to be awesome. Here we are. We're sitting in it. We're sitting in it right now. We built it on (laughs) behalf of people saying it would be really cool if we had this. And I'm like, I agree. And so let's do that. And next thing you know, um, you know, you just enable people to be in an environment where, you know, they want to, they want to be there. And as we start escaping the grips of COVID, you know, we don't have to get married in a traditional sense to (laughs) uh, the, you know, regular office platforms. You can come here and try it out. And if you love it, we'd love for you to stay. And if you don't, you need to move on. I get it. One of the first things I did when I got here is we developed a directory of all the companies and, you know, the industries that they were in and the services that they provided so that when there were obvious connections that could be made, you know, we could enable that, you know, because part of what I believe this place represents is not just an office. Yes, we come here, we're members, but you actually have the opportunity to meet like-minded people, to, you know, find connected businesses that would be meaningful for your business and that it enables you to to continue to build and collaborate. And that collaboration effort, you know, to me, it's probably more important than anything else. Yeah, talk about being able to incubate businesses. Yeah, totally. So along with all the amenities that you're kind of, you we're we're just dating, right? We're it's flexible. Yep. We're all good. Um, we're gonna dip our toe in the water. Okay, we're gonna come back. We're gonna go there. We're gonna, we're gonna go in two days a week. We're in a hybrid model right now. So flexible. How are you finding the people? Are you doing any sort of digital marketing, print marketing? What does that look like for you? Uh, yeah. So. Um, Digital marketing is critical these days, I think. I think that's most people receive their information in a digital platform. Um, I know I do. Uh, I still like, you know, some traditional stuff, but we You're do. You're reading the paper, are you? I, I like the I like the Wall Street Journal, but I usually read it on my phone. <laughs> online, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, online. Still digital. <laughs> Uh, so, but we found some great marketing campaigns that they, uh, they, it's called like Omni marketing where, uh, you know, we'll, we have Google ads, we have Facebook ads, there's Instagram ads, 
Uh, and then whenever, you know, they got those codes that you can hit, that you can insert into the back. And this, I'm going to show my IT ignorance here. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've got these markers that you put on your sites. And when people visit, you know, it gives us information about who's Impressions and engagement. Yeah. Right. Who's coming great. from where, really? That's right. And, uh, you know, it turns out that we have a few different audiences, um, so the first audience is certainly the companies such as yourself who are very interested in the private offices and they want to be able to flex their teams in and out. Second audiences are primarily the individuals that want to be part of the community, have the amenities, need a space to work a few days a week. Uh, and this is a great for them. They can, they can stop in. It's in a very convenient location in town. It's got everything they need to be able to conduct their business. If they need to rent, you know, one of these amenities, they can. Third audience is actually the events, which are coming back, folks. All I'm right. about it. So <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. All right. So what we're learning is that, you know, so being fle- as flexible as we are, um, we've got small conference rooms, medium-sized conference rooms, got a small collab a large collab which are basically event areas we've got uh, an auditorium and a bunch of uh, av equipment so really we can handle you know a four-person meeting up to an 80-person meeting do you do bar mitzvahs we we're talking about doing (laughs) weddings and bar mitzvahs i think i should think you should plan for that i would love to be the guy yeah we'll (laughs) just bring that on um, so are you the, I mean, who's, who's handling your marketing? Do you have a marketing person? Do you have an external marketing company? And then how do you know, how do you verify the uh, efficacy of the post? So when you do Google, when you do Facebook or Instagram, how do you know that what you're doing is, uh, is effective for customer acquisition? Man, that's a great question. Um, kind of my job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so f- I'll first say that we're very new to this part of it. Um, we've, I'm of the opinion that, you know, you try a few different things. We certainly like to validate. I like the whole trust, but verify principle. Um, so, you know, we're going to run some campaigns with these omni marketing platforms. Um, I like to, we're going to be shown the data we've got one of my, uh, employee staff team members here or team members, um, is a marketing manager, so she's very um, intellectual in that IT, you know, marketing side of it. So, literally, we just started. Like okay. this, this week was the we've got some postcards that are going out to a few thousand people around the the space that couples with these Facebook, Google, internet, or in, Instagram. Um, you know, and hopefully all back to our website that all can be tracked. The cool thing is the more exposure you get, the more pe- times people see Flex Office. You know, if you see it once, you're like, that's interesting. You see it twice, you're like, oh, yeah, what is it? There's some statistic out there that says, like, you need to see Flex Office. You need to see some brand online 7 to 20 times before to, you, like, really know. Before you click it. Before you click it and, and get COVID's it. And COVID's really sped that up because people aren't, everybody's in their house, everybody's online, yep. everybody is getting these, like you said, you know, you get your news on your phone, so do I. Everybody sits on the toilet and reads the news, right? right. You get clicks, <laughs> you see what people are doing on LinkedIn, yep. and that's one of our 
when we were building our target audience for the podcast, we said, look, if you check your emails on the toilet, this is the podcast for you, right? <laughs> you're <in. laughs> if you're, if you're pouring coffee while you're drinking coffee, <clears throat> this podcast is for you. I love it. Um, and so what, so my point is that marketing is just only expanded through COVID and just exponentially going. This is how people, this is the medium where people receive information. And so, you know, if you could knock on 10 doors in a day doing your lawn business, you know, knocking on the door, hey, Mrs. Johnson, I'd like to mow your lawn. Well, how about knocking on a million doors for 50 cents a click? Well, and what's so cool about it to me, and this is just me and my fascination with, with things, but I mean, the data management has become so sophisticated, you know, and having all these different mediums that people are receiving information, but then being able to actually take that data and turn it into meaningful information, I mean, I think it is better today than it's ever been. So kudos to you and your team well, yeah. for being able to process all that. You're, you're, you're driving your marketing efforts and your ad spend, your budget, off of real data and not only what feels right, what you think might be going well. You have data to actually act upon, which is key. Yeah. And, you know, talk about being informed, you know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the more informed we can be, the better. And um, I just feel like y'all, you know, that entire section of marketing uh, has gotten remarkably sophisticated. So that's way smarter than I am. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but it's cool that you're starting, you're start, you said you're starting this week. I think that's a step in the right direction. We're excited to maybe learn more, have you back on the podcast and learn more about how it's going. Have you seen success on a certain social media platform or Google ads for that matter? Uh, like more success we'll have than to others? come back and tell you. Okay. So you're still starting that, out that. that just started. So we, I'm, think, I'm as interested to know as you are. Yeah. I think the key is visibility and visibility. engagement and continuing the content. So no matter what you do, you know, post daily, post, post every couple of, post every couple of days, work with influencers in the space uh, partner with companies in the area that, you know, don't want to mm -hmm. bring their people in full time, but will do two days instead of two days at home, you do two days in the office. I think you have a great space. I'm a huge advocate for flex office. Thanks, man. We use pretty much every amenity here. And um, I, I mean, I think you're doing a great job, not only personally, but professionally, your staff is amazing. And so just how do we communicate that message to to the outside. I mean, yeah, you have, you've identified the fear that people have of coming back to the office. So how mm -hmm. can your social media pivot that fear and add value to these companies that might want to come back and dip their toe in the water, like you said? Maybe um, personal testimonies for a corner office somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to find you that office, yeah. brother. No, but personal testimonies, I think both of us, you know, on the podcast and off the podcast would be happy to write a personal testimony to this space. For me, when I think of a flex office, this is the first time I've ever worked in here. Everybody is so engaged in building. And there's startups and there's, uh, what's the word after startup? It's a speed up, build up? Uh, scale? Scale up. Mm -hmm. Scale okay. up. You know, you have startups and scale ups that are that are sitting here and, every, you know, you're sitting at a table, somebody's having coffee and you overhear their conversation. You say, hey, we're doing something similar. And then like, well, let's partner. And so this is, you know, this is an incubator for amazing ideas. And it takes me back to your original story where you're connecting the community with your lawn, right? Right. <laughs> lawn and garden. You're, you're the head guy. You're the personality. And then you get other people, partners yep. to, to do work for you. And I think this is another form of incubation where 
Everybody comes here engaged, ready to learn, trying to start their business, and you're you have all the tools here to all you have sorry you have all the tools here to support them. And for a company and for an entrepreneur in my past life, that is invaluable. It's one thing to be sitting in your bedroom saying, "Could I ever talk to somebody about my idea?" And a completely another thing to be able to come to a flex office yeah. space and talk to ten people this, about your idea. This space allows you to get out of your own four walls in your business. That's a great, great way to say it. I appreciate that observation. Yeah, that, that's awesome. You just got to make content. Content that stands out too, and you know that you know stand out from the crowd. Everyone's digital marketing these days, so right? How are you going to be different? How are you going to? It's tough to learn these algorithms sometimes. Like uh, you know, and I again, it's going to express my ignorance, but you know, I know th- I know our product, and I know our people. And I believe that we have good processes now. And then, but just communicating that in an effective way like that. So just to plug Medigy for a second. Yeah. That <laughs> is, this is built for you. I think okay. Medigy allows you to, sorry, Trent, Medigy allows you to like pivot those or, or use those algorithms for sure. And it helps you with that. But I'm a big fan of like produce quality content that people find valuable and the algorithm will find you. So Medigy's algorithm helps you, helps them find you. So they'll give you suggested hashtags for what's trending right now based off of the content that you provide. Okay. They'll give you a media uh, library where you could just go and type in whatever whatever subject you want and it'll give you pictures. So you could build a post in a matter of 30 seconds with content, trending hashtags, an image that matches you. And then we have what's called the best time AI which essentially tells you the best time based on your hashtags and content when to be able to post, when you're going to get the most eyes on it. That's amazing. That's so where they'll that tell you your engagement impressions, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, How fantastic. cool is that? It's, it's cool. And it's, it's, it's perfect for, for serial entrepreneurs like yourself. I love it. Yeah. All right. So if you had to give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur that's just starting, what would it be? Oh, we already man. got. We already got. Write everything down in a contract. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have an operating agreement. <laughs> operating agreement outside right, of that. Critical. Um, you know, I I guess um, like you got to trust your intuition, but you got to be uh, also just keep going back to the calculated risk. Do the do the assessment. Make sure you've asked all the questions and all the right questions and talked to people. Studied. You know, the more homework you do, the more prepared you you are, you know, the more successful you're likely to be. And I, I just, you know, a lot of people believe in luck, and I certainly do too. I just think that it's it's favored to those that do their homework. Yeah. So You can always sell the lawnmower in your rakes if you have to. That's right. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. And there's always an exit plan. Right. You know, yeah. so uh, that calculated risk, you know, that being aware of where you are and that awareness in the market is, is critical. I'll tell you one mark of a good entrepreneur, except humility, which I think that you have, is when you're not here, everything runs just as if you were here. That is the best news I've heard all day. That <laughs> yeah, means we're doing I would something totally right. Agree. When, when we talked to some of your staff in preparation for this podcast, everybody had really nice things to say. And it wasn't just like, oh, he's a nice guy. It was like, he's a really hard worker. He treats us really well. Like, we love working here. We love this space. So congratulations on that success. Great news, yeah. man. Thanks a lot. I really you know appreciate what? it. Yeah. Sorry, Trent, keep going. You were going to say something else? Uh, 
I, w- I had this whole speech planned. It was really involved, but now I have no idea what it was. Thank you, Taylor. Ches, we can't wait to bring you back on our next episode, our, our, in the future episode of our podcast. Check in, think, see how things are going. Would you be open to that? I would definitely. Uh, yeah, I can't okay. wait to tell you all about my digital media that I'm Yeah, yeah. we can't wait to hear it. And yeah. This time, we'll, I promise to bring tequila. Oh, that would be very supportive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank this you very much for having us on. Yeah, yeah, thanks thank for you. coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. Real quick it. before we end, um, how can people get in touch? How can people learn more about Flex Office or any of the other businesses that you yeah, have? Yeah, uh, flexofficedenver.com obviously is a huge thing. We're on Facebook and all the media outlets. Mm-hmm. So uh, check out our website. We've got a bunch of specials going on right now. Sweet. And uh, as always, we, we'd love for you to come on down and check it out. It's a cool spot. Great. Cool. Cool. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Have it's a great been day. fun. Yeah. Appreciate it.